Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And, you know, we love talking about sex and sexuality and sexual pleasure. And we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Great sex matters and you deserve it. And we're so proud to be part of the village that supports the sexual freedom movement. As we accept and respect other people's choices about sexuality, we open up our own minds to all the different options out there. So a bit about our show today. We have a super special guest. Um, we're, We're definitely looking forward to her outgoing personality and hearing all about um, what a gregarious, sexy, fun person she is. And, you know, I guess if you're looking to reignite your passion and your sexual desire, you definitely can master the the mystery of your own desire by applying mindfulness to your sex life. This simple but effective practice will help you gain a new understanding about your own sexuality so that you can experience deeper intimacy and form happier and healthier relationships. So like I just said, coming up, we're going to be talking with sexologist Dr. Jen Gonzalez about how sexual empowerment, erotic play, and mindful sex builds a more trusting and meaningful sex life. But before we bring her on, we're going to tell you all about our top waterproof blanket because great sex is messy sex, but nobody really wants to sleep in that wet spot. So if you're fed up with having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leakproof, and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils or silicone lubes to all sorts of sexy wetness, you just have to throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking like brand new. And you don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply and safely go to Amazon and order yours today. Search Top Waterproof Blanket, that's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket, and great sex starts now. It sure does. So does today's show. So this is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we are Carol and David. So on today's show, Sexual Mindfulness, we're going to be talking about ways that you can reconnect with your own sexuality through mindful uh, mindfulness. And Dr. Jen's going to walk us through all the steps of getting to know ourselves better on a deeper level. Mm, I love going deep. I'm sure that mindfulness will also help us communicate with our partners much better. And as swingers, communication and consent is so critical to the whole lifestyle experience. And it's really twofold. First, we have to be good, great communicators to be swingers. And second, swinging helps us develop better communication skills. How cool is that? And, you know, as we get more experienced in the lifestyle, it gets easier and easier to talk about sex which, of course, helps us express our wants and our needs and our feelings concerning sex. So important. 
before every lifestyle situation, you and I, you know, we talk about our expectations, our limits, and we establish those rules, which sometimes I break. But no, you know, no, no, you're good. I'm, I'm good. I've gotten better after yeah. over 10 years. <laughs> but we live by them and we respect them. Whether we're at a party or an event, we constantly check in with each other to make sure everything's okay. Right. And then after the event, so when it's over, we also do that replay thing where we replay the whole evening. We talk about what we liked what we didn't like, and what we would do differently next time. Absolutely. So with all this talking and communicating about our sexual preferences, boundaries, and fantasies, you know, we're actually doing some negotiating with each other and finding that middle ground that works perfectly for us because, you know, we never take one for the team. No, for sure. Now, so many people describe the lifestyle or swinging by the term consensual non-monogamy. But the key word here is consensual. We both agree to what sexual activities we want to try, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And to what extent? This technique of negotiating your sexual activities is something that every couple can and should do to express their wants and needs. Yeah, and we're not talking about swinging here. We're talking about improving your sex life or spicing it up in a fun and consensual way. It's about building a safe place to talk about trying new things together by negotiating what level or intensity you might be willing to try that new activity. Right. And, you know, sometimes guys don't want to be shot down by suggesting something kinky or different. So sometimes they're just afraid to mention it. And it's the same thing for the women. You know, they might want to do something, but they're just afraid to bring it up because their partner might judge them for suggesting a new sexual position, an activity, a toy, swinging, whatever. Right. But the important thing here is that you need to talk about it, otherwise it's not going to be brought up. And remember, in order to keep your sex life hot and spicy, you have to add passion. And one way of adding passion to your relationship is by trying new things together. Whether it's a new position or a new place to have sex or simply by adding a new sex toy to the mix, you have to do something new. Or what about those stilettos in bed? Uh-huh. That's also new. Absolutely. Well, could be. That's good. I love it heels and shoes in bed. One of my little fetishes. So it's so important to talk with your partner about a safe and non-judgmental arena to have sex. And swingers have figured it out and realized that great communication means more and more and better and better sex. Simple. (laughs) So go for it. Try your negotiations, you know, by taking baby steps, of course. Talk about what new things you might want to try out establish some limits and make sure that you both agree yeah and start slowly you don't have to go from here to from a to z you can go from a to c it's all good Mm -hmm. and have fun with it like we say happy healthy and horny is the best lifestyle there is we are carol and david and this is the sexy lifestyle and we're so excited to introduce today's guest sexologist dr jen gonzalez from dr jen's That's a tough one. (laughs) She's passionate about sexual empowerment, erotic play, and mindful sex. She's presented two TED Talks and is a writer on sex and relationships. And she's an intimacy expert on the morning news. In addition, Dr. Jen has produced a documentary on masturbation called Sticky, a self-love story. Holy moly, that's a mouthful. And not to mention, she's beautiful, sexy, intelligent, and Dr. Jen has a black belt in Korean karate. So watch out for this badass doctor because here she comes. Dr. Jen, welcome and thanks for being on The Sexy Lifestyle. Oh, thank you so much. That was such a wonderful introduction as well. You have me laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're such a wonderful person. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. 
And Dr. Jens Den, I mean, I don't know how many times I practiced saying it because it took me a couple of times. It was Dr. Den's Jen. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it was it's definitely a mouthful. It started, it, I mean, because my, my podcast video show is In the Den with Dr. Jen. And then I shortened it by Dr. Jen's Den for my website and other places. But yeah, it is a mouthful, that's for sure. It just takes a bit of practice. I think I've got it right now. So let's hope <laughs> over the next hour that I do keep it right. So you're a sociologist and you work um, as a sexuality and a mindful mindfulness speaker. And you're a relationship yeah. counselor and a sex coach. Holy camoly, that's, that's a lot. lot. Like when do you have time for sex and relationships and <laughs> all those other things? <laughs> But tell well, us how you got into this whole this whole uh, business. Yeah, I mean it's it's funny that you say like when do I have time for other stuff because sometimes I don't and I actually am um, single right now and there's there's times of the year that are busier than other times and I'm like I don't know if I could date or I can't start a new relationship during this time because I won't be able to give it the time that I need and that balance and that trade-off is actually okay with me because I love my work. I, I am so passionate about my work. I love making a difference around people's sex lives and um, gender topics and intimacy and teaching them mindfulness. And I just like, I get very lit up about what I do and it really feeds me and nourishes me to be of service like this around these topics. The, the passion comes out in your voice. So what, what really inspires <laughs> you the most of your work? Is there something in particular? Yeah, it's, it's creating safe spaces to reduce shame and stigma around sexuality. Because unfortunately, we have, in, so in American society, we grow up with so much shame and embarrassment or, or even just misinformation about our bodies and about sexuality. And that carry, we all carry that in various ways. And there is a lot of judgment and stigma. And, you know, you, you, you folks talk about the swinging lifestyle. And, you know, one of the reasons why your show is so important is because our society does judge people that want to do, you know, alternative versions of sexuality than what's considered in the mainstream. So, you know, my main, you know, what motivates me the most, my biggest mission and purpose is the reduction of shame and embarrassment and misinformation and creating spaces and whether it's one-on-one or with couples, um, with clients that I work with or, or on podcast shows or, you know, live lectures that I'm giving or workshops. It's just creating those safe spaces and, and giving people permission to do things differently if it's authentic yeah. to them, if it's consensual, and if it feels like, um, you know, the type of self-expression they want. Yeah, that word permission is so is so key out there. We we talk all the time about people giving themselves permission to have great sex. Mm-hmm. Now your your yeah. podcast, which you mentioned earlier, which is in the den with Dr. Jen. That's where you you say you challenge the status quo and you boldly discuss sexuality outside <laughs> the box. I love that. Now, so what are your favorite topics? I watched a couple of your video blogs, and they're really a lot of fun. Thank you. Um, it's hard because I've done I've had over 220 videos on there and so I mean one of the things I always bring a holistic approach to sexuality so that means looking at physical mental emotional social um, and spiritual components whatever that means to folks and so to take I mean and that's that's truly what it is to live um, a fully expressed and connected uh, sexual life is to is to be aware of all of those components, and so I've interviewed folks over 
you know, 10 years uh, about all different topics of everything from Tantra to, um, you know, to sexual health education to the community to academics talking about sex and gender in movies like in the Twilight series to acupuncturists talking about low libido. <laughs> um, I just, so to me, it's just a constant, um, you know, it's a constant learning and challenging myself to think outside the box and, and again, creating those safe spaces and to really look at, you know, sex isn't just, isn't just a physical act or isn't it, it isn't just about love or it isn't just about making babies. It's, right. it's so many different factors. Um, and to, it exposed you, used to ask me like, oh, you know, are you running out of topics for your shows? Are you running Never. out of topics for your blogs? Right. I'm Never. like, are you kidding? Sex is like infinite in the way yes. that we can approach yes. it and what we can talk about, which is so much fun. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about your vulva puppet. <laughs> you actually got me there for a second. <laughs> so the vulva like, puppet, okay. you know, we, we see it every we see it everywhere and sexologists are using it today. Um, tell yeah. us about your vulva puppet and how important it is to teaching people about their bodies. Yeah, so I have a, a, a vulva puppet. It's like a handmade puppet um, that I call Mulva, which is, um, it's a takeoff <laughs> from Steinfeld. Yeah, episode, so Mulva, my vulva puppet. Um, I actually, I use her mostly just for fun, um, particularly I'll break her out at the end of a workshop. Um, some folks will ask for her, like, did you bring Mulva? Can we post pictures <laughs> with Mulva? Um, and so then they want to put them on Instagram and Facebook. So I, I there's... A lot of educators, yeah, that use it explicitly for educational purposes. I use Mulva more just for lighthearted fun. Um, actually, I brought her one time to a um, an intimacy mindfulness workshop that I did at a yoga studio, and it was donation only, and yeah. I forgot to bring a donation um, container. And yeah. so I looked oh, around, God. and I was like, oh, shit, what am I going to use? And I was like, well, I brought Mulva, <laughs> <laughs> and she is a puppet with an open mouth. So, yeah, <laughs> so people stuffed money in her, uh, <laughs> which was kind of great. Um, yeah. <laughs> so hopefully not seen as, you know, uh, sacrilegious in any way. But, now, um, now yeah, so I made... Does Mulva have the, a real-sized clit and uh, all the legs and all the pieces that go along with it? <laughs> So no, that in that um, like the the pieces under this uh, beneath the surface, those aren't a part of what um, shows up there. So um, yeah, so I don't yeah for um, anatomical purposes, I don't use her, um, but I do use her for fun. And I've actually walked walked with her in the San Diego Pride Parade nice. uh, a few years ago. I was walking with uh, Planned Parenthood. Um, and walking along with her, and so, you know, and she could talk to people <laughs> and nice. take photos. So for me, it's more just a normalization um, of, you know, women's genitals and vulvas into nothing, nothing to be ashamed of, but something to embrace and have fun with and enjoy. So if Mulva were to be talking to all the men out here, what would she be telling mm. them she likes? Oh, well, first of all, she'd be saying, oh, so you need to, you need to ask me, every individual me, <laughs> what I like, um, because it varies so much from vulva to vulva and clitoris to clitoris and, you know, vagina to vagina. So um, I would say kind of, you know, approach me slowly and centrally and um, cherish me. 
cherish me and honor me and, um, you know, and mindfully uh, pay attention to the nuances of what um, you can see that I like and don't like and then engage me in dialogue. Nice. Very, very well put. Now, I know you have (laughs) clients on a regular basis um, that come to see you and seek help, but what would be the top two reasons that clients would come and see you for help? One of the main things I see folks for is um, couples, I mostly see heterosexual couples, and so in particular, men and women in long-term relationships with mismatched desire levels. Uh-huh. So they, you know, they started in the beginning and everything was hot and heavy and it was fun. And then over the years, and, and I mean, specifically what I see in my practice is the women have dropped in their desire levels um, in their relationship and they still love their partners. They still respect their partners. Um, they make, they may be great parents together. They're very happy with their life together, but she's just not feeling desire anymore. So that's one of the main things, um, I mean, and then like just, uh, commu- I mean, communication, sexual communication in any way, right. um, it, you know, because that shows up in all different ways. But, you know, that can be attached to being raised with a strong religious upbringing that has given you shame and embarrassment around masturbation, um, around sexual expression. Um, yeah. So, in, in, I mean, and that, yeah, that just shows up in a ton of different ways. All right, perfect. So we're going to ask you to hang on one quick second. We are going to remind everyone that this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and today we're talking with sexologist Dr. Jen from Dr. Jen's Den, and we're going to just shout out to one of our sponsors, and when we come back, we're going to hear all about Jen's favorite topic, which is sexual mindfulness. So, you know, people have been asking us, what's changed after four years of doing the podcast? Well, a lot has. But to be honest, the orgasm gap still remains a challenge for many couples. You know what I'm talking about. Men tend to finish before their female partners. You've heard us talk about Promescent for years. Their urologist-developed FDA-compliant delay spray can help men last up to 64% longer without loss of sensation. And it's great because promescent is quickly absorbed into the penis and it doesn't transfer to your partner. And speaking of your partner, I think we can all agree that sometimes women, even when alone, still have challenges around reaching orgasm. So now, promescent has created a female arousal gel. I love it. It's a clitoral stimulant that she can rub into her clitoris for increased pleasure and a lot more satisfaction during pretty much any type of sexual activity that you can think of. Absolutely. So now they've got promescent delay spray for him and arousal gel for her. So basically, they're closing the orgasm gap on both sides. And remember to check out their amazing lubes as well. Yeah, trust us. Try these amazing products and you'll thank us later. Seriously, just write to us at ask at and tell us how it went. So try Promescent today. Just go to the website www.promescent.com. That's P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T dot com. Yeah, and now, and especially for a limited time, if you enter Sexy Lifestyle 15, you'll get 15% off every order. And remember, tell your friends too, that's Sexy Lifestyle 15 for 15% off. This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we are Carol and David. I sure say that a lot on our show, don't I? (laughs) Today, we're talking about sexual mindfulness and how couples can reconnect and take their sex life to the next level by focusing more on being present and in the moment. And with us is sociologist and sexologist, Dr. 
Jan Gonzalez. From, from Dr. Jan's Den. Yes, thank you. Who merges <laughs> a blend of coaching, counseling, education, karate, and awareness raising in her work in the sex and relationship field. I can't even imagine going to one of your classes. You're there with your black belt, and you're like, if you don't listen, hiya! <laughs> and Dr. Really Jen's passion is all about holistic health and mind, body, spirit perspective. And one of her main specialties is teaching how sexuality and mindfulness go hand in hand. So, let's start by explaining what mindfulness is and what it isn't. Yeah, that's a great question to look at both sides of that. So, mindfulness in its simplest definition is present moment awareness without judgment. So, it's the idea of, you know, this moment right now is, is all that we have and it's all that exists. But so often we are lost in our thoughts about rehashing the past or we are projecting in the future, or worried about something, or we just have this ongoing running commentary in our brains of passing judgment or attaching meaning or value to things. And mindfulness is about being aware of all of that and choosing to stay focused on something specific in the moment, which could be a bodily sensation, it could be your breath, it could be, uh, you know, looking at a candle whatever you're choosing to focus on in that moment, observing everything that comes up and then choosing to bring your, your focus back. And then the second part of it, like I said, is not judging what you notice. And that's an important part of it because often we, you know, we do have a running commentary. We add judgment and value and meaning and, um, you know, our, our feelings about something. And so this is about kind of, I like to use the analogy of a, a rushing river. And so often we are, it's like we have a thought, we have an emotion, and it's like we are swept away by a river and we have no control of what's going on. And mindfulness, uh, learning the skills of mindfulness helps us learn how to step back on the shore. And so that doesn't mean we're not still a part of everything. It's just we could step back and observe it without getting swept away by it. So, okay. so Jen, just give me an example. If a couple is in bed and, you know, yeah. they're fucking and they're e- eating pussy and they're sucking cock and they're doing, you know, all that stuff, is the, are you talking about the mindfulness being clear everything out of your head and be focused on that moment so you can enjoy it, so you can get aroused? So that's, I mean, that would be the ideal, but mindfulness really isn't. And to get to the second part of your question, mindfulness isn't about clearing your mind of all thoughts, because that's generally impossible for most of us. Um, Mindfulness, again, is about choosing what you want to focus your attention on and being fully present with that. And so, you know, in your example, you're in bed with your partner mindfulness could be like, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm given a blow job here. And then you have a thought of like, Oh, am I doing this well enough? You know? And so mindfulness is noticing that distracting thought and being like, okay, I acknowledge you. I'm going to choose to focus back on what I'm doing right now. Or mindfulness, you know, could be like, Oh geez, I don't like how my belly looks like this. I'm going to flip around. I'm going to look at this. And then you're just stuck in your head the whole time around body image topics. Mm. And so mindfulness is, is gently acknowledging that you're having those thoughts and choosing to bring your attention back to what you're focusing on in that moment, which is your fo- pleasure, which is your partner's pleasure, which is, you know, a heart connection with your partner. So, um, 
Yeah, so just it's, not, it's not getting rid of all of those thoughts. It's acknowledging them and then consciously choosing to bring your focus back. And is that what you mean by non-judgmental, like not judging the moment? Or is it like, can you just explain how you yeah. mean non-judgmental? Well, so, um, you know, for example, if you notice like, oh, I'm having some, okay, I'm worried about what my, you know, belly looks like here. Um, and you, so you could observe that thought. To judge it then would be like, God, what's wrong with me? Like, I've lost some weight. I feel, should feel good about myself. Or, uh, you know, what's wrong with me? I'm an empowered woman. Like, why am I, why am I even having these thoughts? So, okay. it's, so it's judgment of exactly what is in the moment. And mindfulness is about accepting, you know, and sort of surrendering to what is in the moment in terms of not getting attached to it. And then not... Mean not- you, you, Sorry, and then not, and not perpetuating going off the races with it. Right, yeah. not going off, not perpetuating that thought process. So it's like reeling it back in again to what you're doing. Exactly, because otherwise, say you have a negative thought about yourself, and then you beat yourself up for having that negative right. thought about yourself, and, and then you you're know, like you lost just, yourself. The blowjob is nothing exactly. anymore. Okay, yeah. get it. And then your yeah, your partner's like, hey, are you okay? Because hopefully <laughs> they're mindful enough to be paying attention to the energy in the moment and the nuances and, you know, your passion or lack of passion and all of that. And that's exactly how us not being present in the moment um, makes us not be able to enjoy the moment right. that we're in. Now, are people naturally in that state, this unmindful state, is that a natural state that humans are in or just people who have a million things going through their heads? It's such a great question of whether we're naturally that way. I mean, I think our brains, we have so many neuropathways in our brains um, that, you know, you know, that stream of consciousness, you could have, you know, you, you pass somebody on the street that looks like somebody that, you know, when you were 18 and that was your first person you kissed and then you think about kissing and then you think about yeah. the gum that you chewed and then you're like, oh yeah, I need some more gum. You know, it yeah. all happens in like three seconds. So that's just, I think, very normal about how our brains work. I would say we never get any training to the contrary about okay. we don't get trained from a young age of what is it to, how do we harness our brains? How do we harness our emotions, not, you know, push them down or deny them, but how do we have choice around them? And then now yeah. with modern technology, the way it is, I think we're actually training our brains from younger ages to, to be the opposite of mindful. And I, I think in one of your classes, you actually teach about the health benefits and the neuroscience behind it. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, there's been some really great growing research over the years, past several decades, about how, um, you know, if folks take this eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction class, um, the benefits that show up around reduction of depression and anxiety, um, reduction of physical concerns, which could be around addictions, um, also pain, um, it, practicing mindfulness changes your relationship to how you respond to pain in your body. And so it reduces, um, you know, feelings of chronic pain. Um, it, it, um, practicing mindfulness can increase our relationships because it increases our ability to connect with others. And so in terms of one aspect of the neuroscience behind it is that practicing mindfulness helps build the executive functioning part of our brain. That's the front, you know, yeah. neocortex part of our brain. And that has been found that helps us with a lot of emotional and social intelligence 
um, aspects. So our, our intuition and reading of situations, our ability to read others and connect with them, our abilities to experience empathy and express empathy, um, all aspects so of what, a lot of aspects of what we consider kind of a higher consciousness and what makes us feel like good people and to be able to connect with other people like that. That's connected to um, that part of our brain that's developed through mindfulness. Now, would you find, would you say that it would be, this would be a true statement that as we get older and more mature, that we're actually be able to um, really enjoy mindfulness more than a young person might? Oh, um, I know, actually, that's an interesting thought. I, um, unless we're practicing it, because I think as, as we get older, our, you know, our, our neural pathways become even stronger and it's harder, you know, you know, there's the saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Oh, right, that's, not, right. that's not true at all. Okay. However, it's harder. So if I'm dealing with somebody, say, a 40-year-old versus a 20-year-old that comes in, and maybe they come in with the same concern, often the 40-year-old will, be, will take longer to un- uh-huh. unwire right. that programming because the uh-huh. programming's been there longer. And it's just, okay. it's just how our brains work. That's just the efficiency in our brains that when we do something enough or we believe something enough, it becomes wired and it's a faster wiring and right. younger folks, you know, we have more, you know, we have neuroplasticity, greater neuroplasticity until age 21 or so. And while we have it for a lifetime, you know, younger folks are more like sponges um, and can right. pick up new concepts and integrate them much quicker. Um, and that just takes longer and more dedication. Uh, the older we get. Very, wow. very, very, very cool. cool. Very cool. cool. Our dog yeah. Brady um, absolutely enjoyed what you were saying, too. That's why he barked out to you. <laughs> nice. All right. This is a Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And up next is our sexy myth-busting game with Dr. Jen from Dr. Jen's Den. Each show, we invite our sex experts to bust a few sexy and fun myths to help us filter through some of the misinformation that we find out on the, on the Internet, especially when it comes to the topic of sex. Well, now it's time for our sexy myth-busting game where we're going to let Jen just go and be herself, and we're going to get the real truth about orgasms. Mm-hmm. Dr. Jen, are you ready? <laughs> yes, I think. <laughs> we want to hear all about orgasms. Okay, here's a myth I found online. Women take much longer to become sexually aroused than men. So I actually wouldn't, I wouldn't personally call that a myth. Okay. Um, there's, there's a lot of research that shows um, that to get the amount of blood flow to the genitals for women to get to a point that they say feel ready for penetration um, or intercourse, that that I do think statistically that actually does take longer in general for women um, as compared to men. Now, early in a relationship or if everybody's hot and horny or you have a new partner, you know, maybe everyone can get aroused pretty quickly. Um, But that can that can change over time. And so and I mean, I'd say that's a, a thing I see a lot with couples and sometimes newlyweds who come from cultures who do not talk about sex at all and have very little sexual experience before they've gotten married, um, the women report pain all the time. 
And the main reason is like their husbands have an erection. So their husbands are ready to go, but her body is not aroused and turned on. And so that's also educational aspects that they have. She doesn't know what turns her on. He doesn't know what turns her on, but he easily, you know, got an erection and was aroused, but her body does not have that blood flow yet to be um, prepared for any sort of penetration. Right. So, so Jen, oh. now we were talking about Mulva the vulva earlier, <laughs> who doesn't have all the anatomical components, but you, you've mentioned it twice or three times already about slowing it down and getting the blood mm. flowing into the, the uh, right areas. The right areas. Um, tell us a little bit how you do that and that the cl- and explain to us a little bit, you know, the clit and how it works. Oh, <laughs> okay. I'm like, how do I do that a little bit? So, um, yeah, so in terms of the, you know, what we're talking about, the, the anatomy of the clitoris, often we're taught, if you even get taught about the clitoris, and I didn't get taught it in sex education, um, you know, we're taught that it's just the, the little, the glands, the head of the clitoris that sticks out and then the hood over it. And so often that's what we learn the clitoris is all about. And, you know, it's got 8,000 nerve endings and it can be the seat of women's pleasure and orgasm for many women. Um, but, you know, what we found is beneath the surface, there's this whole clitoral complex um, that some folks also argue is a part of the G-spot on the inside um, of the vagina and the, the walls and, um, and that there's as much erectile tissue uh, for women around this clitoral complex um, that men have in their penises. It's just that most of ours is under, um, you know, is not on the surface. It's under the skin, visible, so we don't exactly. see it in the same way. But when you think of it that way, like, hey, we, we've got all this erectile tissue, and it just sometimes can take more time for it to fill up and for that blood flow to get to our genitals. So, um, and so, you know, that slowing down process, um, and, you know, and not that there's not a time and place for quickies and, and all sorts of, you know, many wonderful aspects of, of sexual interactions. But in terms of slowing it down, that does involve or can involve a caressing of the vulva. So the external genitals and, you know, slowly moving around the clitoris in a very kind of teasing, gentle way, maybe with some lubricant on a hand, but around the whole vulva and the inner lips and the outer lips and that whole area, because that's the whole area that has erectile tissue under the surface. And that type of slow touching and caressing and cherishing and honoring um, can really help increase that blood flow. And we like to remind our listeners to, uh, you know, when they think that the clit is just the head of the clit and that they're pushing the button all the time, we like to remind them that it's like an elevator. It's not, it's like an elevator. The more you push, it doesn't make it come faster. (laughs) Oh, that's so perfect. (laughs) Yeah. We've all had those situations like, what the hell is going on down there? (laughs) Exactly. And and tell him, tell him. Don't do it. Don't do it. So here we go. I've got another one. And this time I won't call it a myth. You're going to decide if it's a myth or or not. So I'm going to say this is something else I found on the Internet. Orgasms make women fall in love. It's hormonal. That is such a good question. And so, um, so yeah, I wouldn't actually I wouldn't completely say that's a myth either um, in that. um, I mean, and this could be for men also. Um, I, we all have different levels of how we pair bond 
with others through sexual interactions. I mean, through any interactions, but we're talking sexual interactions. So that is the release of, I mean, like dopamine is what feels really good when we're close to folks and we have sexual pleasure and orgasm. But folks can also have oxytocin. And, and sometimes it does show, you know, some research has found that women can um, have higher levels of oxytocin. And that's what we call the love hormone or the cuddle hormone. And so that can be released through physical contact, through um, intercourse, through orgasm. And that can, for some of us, make us pair bond more with someone else. So and like, that could, I mean, that I, could be what I, they I call falling in love. Yeah, exactly. And that is, I'd say, a potential, quote, unquote, danger. Um, if you're with somebody that you're like, yeah, I don't know if this is a, I'll say, you know, I don't know if this is a good guy. Um, I'll, I'll speak for myself. Like, I don't know if this guy's the right fit for me. I don't know if this is a good guy. However, if I sleep with him, I may be more likely then to put him on a pedestal and be like, this is so amazing. I'm so connected <laughs> yeah. to him. I feel so, you know, like, why yeah. isn't he texting me back? What's going on? <laughs> You know, right. and that's some of the, the craziness. That comes um, from the hormones. Exactly. And those hormones are amazing, but they need to be respected. And we need to honor that we all have different levels. And some people absolutely can have sexual interactions with others and can have intercourse with others. And you're just like, wow, this was amazing in the moment. And I feel no attachment to that person. Hmm. But not everybody's like that. And that's fine. I think we need to find out and honor where we each all are. Because if, if we're having sex with somebody and pretending that it doesn't matter to us, and then we're secretly yearning for them to like us, or to text us the next day, um, or to want to date us, or whatever, then we're lying to ourselves and trying to pretend we're something we're not. And, right. and, that's, cool. and that's, there's nothing wrong with wherever your hormones are. You just need to know it and own it and honor it and respect it. Well, I know that the first time I met a guy who made me orgasm, I said, that's the one I'm going to keep because he knows my body. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Yeah. That's me she's talking about. <laughs> and he's a keeper, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one last myth quickly before we get into our Great Sex Matters segment. So uh, this one is women aren't as visually stimulated as men. Yeah, so there's some funny, I don't know if you folks are familiar with this really great research that folks have done um, where they're looking at, you know, say pornographic images and they have uh, men and women, and it's usually like college students that do these research studies. <laughs> yeah. And the... Um, and they show they have like some um, men and women together in porn. And then they have two men together and two women together. And then they'll have like two bonobo monkeys right. <laughs> having sex. And they show like, for example, for the male participants that identify as heterosexual, uh, they only get turned on by the heterosexual sex. And then maybe the two women together. Um, mm. and, and they reported that's what they got turned on by. That's what, you know, they had things attached to electrodes or whatever attached to their penises. And that's what the objective arousal also showed. Exactly what the men said they got turned on by is what, you know, what the other, the objective uh, feedback is. But for women, they were like, oh, no, I didn't. I only got turned on by, you know, the heterosexual sex maybe or 
And maybe they said, well, maybe the two men together, maybe a little bit. I forget the exact details. But the point of it was the objective feedback of the, the devices that were hooked up to women's um, vaginas showed that women were getting turned on by everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> That's they good news. Just, but, they didn't, but it didn't mentally register or it didn't have that meaning for them. And I think mm. that's important. That does show that it's not just about arousal. It's also what's the meaning that it has to you? How right. does it make you feel? Because I've had women that watch pornography that are like, wow, that turned me on. But I didn't like what I watched because I felt like the woman was being degraded. Or I know that sometimes women are exploited in pornography or I identify as a feminist. And so intellectually and socially, like it hurt me to watch that, but my body still got turned on. And so I think what this speaks to is that Sex for many of us is very complex. Like we need to know the physical, mental, emotional, social, spiritual components that matters when it comes to our ability to actually enjoy a sexual experience, regardless of whether our body is turned on or not. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Awesome. Jen, that was absolutely fantastic. So insightful. Your myth-busting skills are A++. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we are Carol and David. And we're talking with Dr. Jen from Dr. Jen's Den. Up next is our Great Sex Matters segment, where Dr. Jen will share her advice on how to incorporate mindfulness in the bedroom to spice up your sex life. Yeah, before we get on with the show, before we get on with Great Sex Matters, we want to talk about Hito 2 in Jamaica. It's one of our favorite places and it is the sexiest place on earth where you can be as mild or as wild as you like. And we're so excited to tell everybody, we've been talking about it for a couple of shows now, that we're going to be escaping winter 2021 and we'll be at Hito from January 15th to March 26th. We're going to be broadcasting on location, doing a bunch of other things as well Um, most probably a lot of it will be naked so come on come join us for a week or even more if you want you could even be a guest on one of our podcasts yeah it's going to be so much fun and we're just going to feel so good to be home again at Hito from their delicious Jamaican food to the amazing and award-winning entertainment staff and all the sexy fun and erotic guests we are going to be having a blast so join us there as we get naked on the beach again it won't be long now it sure won't. All right. This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we are Carol and David. So now, this is our favorite part of the show, where we get to talk about great sex because... Great sex matters, and we all deserve it. So like I said, we're talking with uh, Dr. Jen, who's an accomplished writer on sex and relationships, and an intimacy expert, and is very active in her field. So... In our last segment, we learned all about being present in the moment, using techniques and practices in mindfulness. Now, we want to know how these techniques can be applied in the bedroom to spice it up and experience and have that great sex. Yeah, and also when you were talking about that that experiment in the last segment about the visual, I think if those women were taught mindfulness, they would probably forget about uh, what they were thinking and trying to establish, and they would actually feel what they were feeling in the genitals. Is that possible? Yeah, I do think so. To, because, right, that mindfulness is about being present with our thoughts, our emotions, and our bodily sensations in every moment. And as women, in a lot of ways, we're, we're taught to be detached from our genitals or detached from our sexual pleasure if, you know, there's shame attached to that or just a lack of information. And so... Um, again, you know, I I do separate the two. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I do think that, you know, 
knowing, you know, there is a piece of what you want to be aroused by and what you don't want to be aroused by, you know, and that speaks to that research study I was talking about. And I do think that's something new important because if you have social values that are attached to that, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Do you want to just plow through that stuff and be like, well, my body's turned on. Um, I'm just going to go for this um, because, because the after the impact of that afterwards could be shame and guilt for what turned you on. Yeah, so I, yeah. I think it's a, a, a doing um, even a journaling process of looking at w- what are my beliefs around sex? What, what, what are my hangups in the bedroom? What's holding me back? When do I get distracted? Where do I hate myself about my body image? Where am I worried about performance? Where do I experience shame and what do I carry around that? And getting really clear on all of those things and like where that meaning came from, what your emotions are behind that, and literally where you feel that in your body. And to do journaling exercises around that and deep breathing exercises around that, that to me is one of the biggest gifts folks could give themselves in terms of then making their sex lives better. Because we need to shine a bright light on all the shit we've been taught so that we actually have the chance to realize that that isn't necessarily natural. That's not normal. That, that isn't the way things have to be. It's just what we were taught. Yeah. And so you shine a bright light on it, you put it on the table and then you can actually have a choice about what you want to let go of and what you want to move through and give yourself permission and, and the courage to do that. Now, it sounds to me like that journaling um, aspect that you're talking about could also help people with low libido and they could figure out how to boost it up. Is that true? Yeah. Well, and I think also looking at, you know, if low libido is a problem for you, like, well, so why is it a problem? I mean, often it's a problem because your partner has a higher libido. And we, you know, and we label the person with low libido the problematic one instead of labeling oh. the person with the high libido the problematic uh. one. So I do think that's important to look at to realize, hey, this is only problematic because of this specific relationship that I'm in. Right, um, the incompatibility. Not, right, right, exactly. And so to not, you know, judge either side but recognize, hey, okay, we're incompatible, but this matters to both of us. We want to connect. I want to please you. Um, and then also... And the reason I say that is because some people who used to have higher desire, but say, for example, are in a long-term relationship and don't feel it much anymore, some people are totally fine with that because they're like, my life is so filled. Like, I am so happy. I don't actually miss it versus Mm -hmm. people who are like, oh, my God, I totally miss this. I I miss feeling horny. I miss feeling really sexual. I miss connecting with my partner in that way. Um, And so that matters to look at. What meaning does it have to you to have sex or not have sex, um, to have, you know, to have a lower libido? Um, Yeah, and so, again, that is a mindfulness thing of pulling back, like, the meaning behind things, the emotions behind things, without judging them, without judging yourself or making yourself wrong. Um, and, you know, and then, and sitting with the discomfort of what is, um, and then being able to talk through that with your partner. And then once you can, you know, once you can do that, then you can talk about, okay, what, what does turn me on? What does prime my pump? When do I feel a little randy? What makes you feel connected and nurtured? And again, that's a very mindful knowing of your body and your emotions and your, um, belief systems. I just have, I'm just curious, is it more women or men in the couple who actually bring up the issue and encourage the other partner to come and talk about it? 
It's a really great question because um, counseling uh, tends to be more the domain of women because we're taught to communicate. Right. Um, you know, we're taught to express our emotions and talk things through with our girlfriends, for example. Like that's part of how we're socialized as women and men are not socialized in that way. They're sometimes often socialized out of emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that way, women may be more likely to want to seek um, out talking about stuff. But um, because, you know, for example, in my practice, it tends to be the men that are more missing the sexual connection. Um, sometimes they can be the ones to be pushing um, to come see me because they're like, hey, I miss this. This isn't working. Like we've yeah, tried things yeah. or, and now it's the elephant in the room and now we don't right. even talk about it. And I, every time right. I bring it up, you explode. And I know yeah. that's because you're guilty and you feel bad, yeah. but I feel rejected and like, right. we can't go on like this. So mm. it kind right. of, I'd say it's kind of half and half. Oh, well, that's good news. At cool. Least. Now let's talk about yeah. your training you do with women um, who want to experience masturbation in a meditative and mindful manner. What, what goes on in those discussions? And are you hands-on? Do you help them? Yeah, so no, that is actually just, a, I mean, I, I talk to clients about this and I've talked in workshops about it. Um, I don't do hands-on work with it. But the main thing I have around this is a free um, audio file on my website uh, called Mindful uh, Meditative Masturbation for Women. Uh, it's about 10 minutes and it's explicitly for women who have shame and embarrassment around touching themselves, around their pleasure, around masturbation. And I just, I gently guide them through using mindfulness practices and getting them in touch with their five senses to create, you know, a safe environment for them, just like they would want to seduce a partner that they would interested in, that they were interested in to seduce themselves by creating oh, yeah. this really sensual, um, pleasant, nice environment, a romantic environment for themselves to touch themselves and explore themselves without any even goal of orgasm or anything like that, but just to learn their body and to learn um, to, to not judge themselves uh, for wanting to touch themselves and feel pleasure. And I actually, so that's actually one of the things on my website that gets some of uh, the most hits, uh, which makes me happy that folks are searching for that. (laughs) Um, that's online. that's really fun. So yeah, now, just actually just a, a few weeks ago, I got uh, just a random email from somebody that I don't know who came across that and just wanted to thank me for it. Oh, uh, that's that very said nice. That even just listening, yeah, to those 10 minutes helped her already feel more comfortable with her body and know that what she was doing wasn't a bad thing. Beautiful. Yeah. So I think now it's time for some real advice. What can you give <laughs> as, let's say, the top two things that people can do tonight to start practicing being more present during sex? Yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is actually I pull it from um, Tantra and Tantric mm-hmm. exercises is the eye gazing exercise. Oh, nice. Where you just sit quietly, you set a timer for three minutes okay. and uh, sit face to face with your partner. It's nice if you're in chairs or something like that, that your knees are touching or, you know, that you, you are touching in some way. Um, and you just look into each other's eyes for three minutes because, you know, at the core of mindfulness is being vulnerable in the moment. 
because all of the patterns and reactions and and judgments and all of that uh, keep us out of the moment. And choosing to be present in the moment actually feels very vulnerable. We feel very raw when we are just with what is because we're taking away all of our armor. And that's what eye-gazing with with anyone, um, let alone a loved one, does. We feel very vulnerable. We feel very open. We feel seen. A lot of people will laugh and giggle yeah, in the beginning or want to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. And I'm like, and, and that's okay. Yeah. And because we do that when we're uncomfortable and we're nervous right. about something um, because it's just so raw. And so to do that exercise, I mean, and to make that a regular practice would be great. But one thing to do with your partner, like that is a way of it, it opens our hearts. It connects ourselves. Even I've seen some research of eye gazing in that way can get our, our brains in sync with each other. Um, and, but we have to give ourselves permission to be that vulnerable. So right. that's, yeah, that's my first suggestion. Okay. We've got one um, more minute for a second suggestion. Okay. Um, I gave that ex- exercise already of writing your list of all your hangups and fears and distractions. Right. In the bedroom, so definitely do that one. A third one, then, I'd say take turns um, switching off of giving and receiving. Have a night that's just all about you and your pleasure and your partner all giving to you, and then sit with what does it feel like just to be present with receiving, and there's nothing else for you to do. Oh, interesting. I like that. And vice versa. Yeah, when (laughs) you're in the giving role, be very (laughs) present (laughs) with what is it to give and to cherish your partner. And so that is very mindful and present without having to perform or do anything. Wow. I really like that advice. That's awesome. Fantastic. Uh, Jen, that was absolutely amazing. Um, I learned tons. Um, I like the idea of Carol just doing me for the whole evening because (laughs) normally she's the queen bee and is at the bottom of the pile. (laughs) It it was such a great, um, insightful discussion. We spoke about mindfulness, being present in the moment. We spoke a little bit about that uh, masturbation uh, 10-minute video you have. You know, thanks so much for being here, sharing your stories and advice. And why don't you take a minute to tell everyone how they can reach out to you? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much. Your questions were fantastic. Oh, great. This is just so much fun for me. Thank you. Um, And folks can find me online. My main hub um, is my website, drjensden.com. And then you can go to YouTube. Uh, My YouTube channel is Dr. Jen's Den, and I have over 220 videos there. Yeah, and then Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, In general, everything's either uh, Jennifer Gonzalez or Dr. Jen's Den. And I definitely encourage folks, if you like my approach to stuff, please please get out there and follow me and share my stuff um, because that definitely helps me spread the good word. Sure. And in case, of course, if you missed any of that information, you just have to go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, where we'll have where every one of our guests has their own guest page with all of their information. And you can even contact them if you have questions or have any inquiries about their work. Absolutely great, great, great amazing. Advice. Great way to end a great show and a great year. I, I don't know um, mm-hmm. if everybody will be able to find the gratefulness and the gratitude of 2020. It's been a very difficult year. And, you know, our thoughts do go out to all the people who have lost loved ones um, because of COVID. 
Like we did today, we're learning more and more every week with all our fantastic expert guests. We hope you do too. And if you have any questions at all, you can always send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com. And please remember to stay safe, stay healthy, follow all the suggested protocols issued by your local health authorities, wash your hands, avoid touching your face, practice social distancing, and please wear a mask. Wear a mask, wear a mask, wear a mask. All right, that's it for our show today. Please stay safe. And we also want to thank everybody for listening week in and week out. You can join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. All righty, that's it for the show today. Remember, stay safe. And of course, stay sexy. We're sending you lots of love. And of course, great sex. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever.